morning, NSC East. I'm up. I'm on four hours of sleep. My name is Jeff Kerr. It is Football Friday. No script today. This is yesterday's script. <laughs> We're winging it today, baby. It's Football Friday. And I got to start out with my producer, Tone DeShields, and I. We were just talking about that game last night between the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. And yikes. Oh, the Rams might be in some trouble. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to start with this game. I just feel like the AFC is significantly better than the NFC right now. And the Bills are one of the AFC's best teams, and they're one of the NFL's best teams. They showed it last night. Josh Allen was incredible, um, had his seventh career game with three touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown. He's only behind Tom Brady and Drew Brees in that category. Uh, Brees is nine, Brady is eight, and now Allen has seven. Allen's only in, what, his fifth year in the league? And the Bills are loaded. They are absolutely loaded at almost every position. They stole the Rams um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, their mojo. They stole the Rams' mojo in winning the Super Bowl last year in Von Miller. That Von Miller move at the deadline was the best move the Rams ever did because Aaron Donald and Von Miller led the NFL in pressures in the postseason, and they were two of the top three in the NFL in pressures once Von Miller got there in Week 10. And now Von Miller's on the Bills' side, and you saw the result. The Rams do not have much of an offensive line interior right now. They looked very beatable last night. And I know it's only week one. The Rams are still going to be really good. I'm concerned over Matthew Stafford's elbow, but I'm more concerned over their running game or lack thereof. Cam Akers looks slow. He looks slow. Really, really slow. I tried telling people, I'm not a fancy expert, but I told people draft Daryl Henderson because he's going to be the bell cow back for them. And what was last night um, for however you want to shake it? Gabe Davis is a stud. Stephon Diggs is a stud. Isaiah McKenzie's a stud. Oh, man, the Bills passing game. It's They torched Jalen Ramsey last night. Jalen Ramsey, a couple years ago, I think it was Allen's rookie year, Josh Allen's rookie year, he said, like, Josh Allen's a joke, wasted draft pick, can't wait to face him. Uh, Josh Allen couldn't wait to throw the ball against you. Jalen Ramsey's numbers last night, he was targeted seven times, allowed six completions for 124 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Oh, look at Toad. Toad's dropping in a dime right now. Stephon Diggs killed it for me in fantasy last night. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he had a pretty good night. That 53-yard touchdown catch was pretty much the nail in the coffin for the Rams. Um, which brings me back now to the NFC East. Because this is an NFC East show. Do the Eagles have a shot here? Do they have a realistic shot at the NFC? Is the NFC wide open? I think they got to be a good team first. I'm not I'm not a hot take guy. You guys should know this by now. I'm not a hot take guy at all. It's not my game. I'm not here for the clicks. But the NFC's open. The Rams had a chance to make a statement last night. They just didn't do it. They just did not do it. Uh... Right now, I think Tampa Bay could be the best team in the NFC. Green Bay, the Rams are still good. Don't get me wrong here, but they got holes. Um, Troy Hill definitely was huge in that secondary. That secondary got torched. It, it's hard to read because you're playing the Bills, 
who probably should have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl last year, we're going to be quite honest. The, the Bills blew that game against Kansas City. And they got better. They decided, hey, you know what, we'll just have Von Miller. We'll have a good draft. We're good. We have some distraction with Punk God. Yeah, okay, yeah, we get Sam Martin, whatever. They still got Josh Allen, but the Rams, Matthew Stafford's elbow, the Rams can sugarcoat this all they want. He did not look like a quarterback that had the zip on his ball. Second three interception game with the Rams, made some questionable decisions. Where the hell was Allen Robinson last night? Boy, he looked cooked. He looked cooked. He looked cooked last year. Everybody wanted to blame Matt Nagy. And it was, I blame Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was not a good offensive mind. At least as a head coach. But man, Allen Robinson looked bad last night. I didn't even realize he was on the field. I realized Cooper Cup was on the field. Cooper Cup still balled out. 13 catches, 120, maybe more than that, and a touchdown. But Matthew Stafford's 13 for 16 when he threw toward Cooper Cup's direction. 16 for 26 when he threw in everybody else's direction. Van Jefferson was out. Doesn't help. The Rams need Odell Beckham. They need Odell Beckham. But Joe Noteboom, um, who is the left tackle now, replacing Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth told me this firsthand. Joe Noteboom is going to be a good left tackle in this league. But he did not look good last night. They just paid Rob Haverstein or right tackle. I've been criticizing the Rams offensive line for a lot of years. They just did not look good last night. Brian Allen got destroyed on the interior by Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips. Yeah, Jordan Phillips seems... Jordan Phillips is the Buffalo Bills version of Nick Foles. Can't play anywhere else, but he can play in Buffalo. And he's pretty damn good when he plays for the Bills. Jordan Phillips was a beast last night. The Bills got him from nothing. Cardinals cut him. It's just like Nick Foles with the Eagles. It's a star in Philadelphia, but everywhere else, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Although he did get, um... Nick Foles did kind of inadvertently send Russell Wilson out of Seattle because the Bears beat the Seahawks last year. So was, I think that was Wilson's last home game, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, the Eagles' chances in the NFC. Um, you're an Eagles fan. I think you got to enjoy it a little bit. I think you can look at that Rams team and say, you know what? We still got to see what the Eagles got to do on the field. But we got shot. There are holes in that team's game. And the Rams are going to improve because it's Sean McVay. They're going to improve. They're going to get this thing fixed. They got 11 days off now. Oh, and they get a, they have a good get-right game week, too. They got the Falcons. So, But the Bills did kick the crap out of them last night. And you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're the Green Bay Packers. You're looking at this like, oh, okay. Got a shot here. You got a shot. We got more of a shot. Eagle, Eagles fans, same thing. I, I I know the national expectations are getting higher right now, and I'll temper them as much as I can, but if the Eagles start out the year hot, you got a shot. I think they're up there. They may not be in Tier A, but they're in Tier B right now, and Tier B ain't, ain't bad in the NFC. Tier B in the AFC is not good because there's a lot of Tier A teams. You're being the NFC, I think you got a shot here. 
Ah, uh, we got some games week one. The Commanders, the Jaguars, Ursa Wentz, Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence. I'll tell you what, I am scared for Washington on Sunday because I have no idea what to expect out of Jacksonville. I know what to expect out of Doug Peterson and his offense. Jacksonville's that team. They could win six, seven games, but early in the year, they're going to be tough to play. The Eagles should have a good read on them by week four. But Jacksonville's, I have no idea what to expect of Trevor Lawrence. James Robinson, Travis Etienne, they're both on the field. Evan Ingram was a massive upgrade at tight end over what they had last year. James O'Shaughnessy and who else say Dan Arnold was their tight end last year. Trade for him. He's their number two now. Evan Ingram, I mean, yeah, he is what he is, but it's definitely an upgrade. And Doug loves his tight ends. So you're going to see a lot of Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold Sunday. And Washington don't have anybody. They're relying on Jameen Davis to pretty much fix the linebacker position for them. They don't have a lot of depth there. They don't have a lot of depth in the secondary either. So it's going to be an interesting game. Cowboys, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's got their issues, too. Their offensive line. Dallas got a really good defensive front. But can they can can they get as many turnovers as they got last year? Can Tyler Smith fill the void at right tackle, uh, left tackle? Dallas is replacing three of its five offensive stars from last year. And Tyler Smith can't do it. Dak Prescott will be running for his life. By the way, what an interesting story with Dak Prescott yesterday. So Dak Prescott wears Jordan 1 cleats. This is, I think this is the story here. He wears Jordan 1 cleats in practice, and he switches to the 11s on game days, and he got a cut in his shin when he switched to the 11s. The, oh, by the way, it was where his surgically repaired ankle is. Guess what he said? I'm good. I ain't practicing this. I'm not practicing. Not doing it. Interesting. It's going to be interesting to see on Sunday how that unfolds. I expect him to fully practice today, but what's an interesting story coming out of Dallas with Dak and his Jordan repertoire of cleats, how he switches them. Now, I'm sure you guys are tuned in here to the Eagles. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, I'll be point blank. I think the Eagles are going to win Sunday. I think the Eagles are prepared for this game. I think Jason Kelsey will make sure they're prepared. Nick Sirianni will make sure they're prepared. Jalen Hurts will make sure they're prepared. I feel like they're a team. They don't want to hear the talk. They want to walk the walk. Oh, and another football-related um, part of this game. If Frank right now is out, you do not have Frank right now. You do not have Hal Paluti. If I tie, you're the Detroit Lions. Good luck stopping Fletcher Cox, Siobhan Hargrave, and Jordan Davis because the Lions need their offensive line fully healthy or at least four of the five guys fully healthy, including a center who probably would have been an all-pro last year had he not got hurt the fifth week of the season. That's a big loss for the Detroit Lions, and the Lions just don't have the defense. Aiden Hutchinson's going to make them better, but they don't have the defense to get into a track meet with the Eagles offense. I don't care if the Eagles run the ball down their throats or pass it all day long. I just don't see the Lions putting up 
35, 38 points. The Eagles can do it against that defense. But I don't think the Lions can do that against the Eagles defense. I think Lions offense is pretty good. I mean, I, I think Eagles fans are going to be frustrated Monday morning at Jonathan Gannon. I'm going to calm you guys down a little bit and be like, oh, okay, yeah, Eagles gave up 20, 23 points. Okay. Lions do have some playmakers. DeAndre Swift's a playmaker. DJ Chark's a playmaker. Amon Ross St. Brown is the truth. He is the truth. I will tell you this straight up to your face. You better cover Amon Ross St. Brown Sunday. You better put Slay on Amon Ross St. Brown. You better have Avante Max on Amon Ross St. Brown. You better have James Bradbury on him. Because he's going to make his plays. He's like Cooper Cup. He's going to make plays. Amon Ross St. Brown's the truth. He's a baller. And Jared Goff is Jared Goff. I, I, I mean, I don't know if Jared Goff's going to be the franchise quarterback for this team or not. I highly doubt it. But <laughs> we'll see. I just don't like Detroit's defense in this one. I, I, I think it's, I think Philadelphia's going to win. Uh, Giants-Titans. Give me Titans. I think Derrick Henry's going to run the ball all day long. Uh, Commanders, Jaguars, I'll say Washington survives against Jacksonville. And Cowboys, Tampa, I'm going to go Tampa. It's hard for me to bet against the GOAT. It's hard for me to bet against Tom Brady. So those are my picks. So I think Eagles and Washington are going to be 1-0. And Dallas and Giants are going to be 0-1 after week one. All right, so we got Tyler Sullivan in the house. Uh, he was up late with me last night. We were covering the Bills-Rams game for CBS Sports. Another national NFL writer for CBS. We got T. Sully right after the break. greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you... Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. 
the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Sullivan in the house, NFL writer, CBS Sports. You can catch him on CBS Sports HQ. Tyler was busy last night. I think he's on four hours of sleep, too. How you been, Tyler? What's going on, Jeff? Long time no see. We were burning the midnight oil. Yeah, we definitely were last night. Uh, Just early impression on that Bills blowout win over the Rams. Yeah, I mean, they were as advertised, right? You know, I mean, they are the Super Bowl betting favorites for a reason, and they took it to the defending champs. So, again, for me, it wasn't perfect for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, there was a bunch of turnovers for them. I thought Josh Allen was sharp out of the gate. Did have one one of his two interceptions was on him. The other one was basically Isaiah McKenzie handing off the football to the Los Angeles Rams. But ultimately, their ceiling is a lot higher than what we saw last night which is a scary proposition for the rest of the NFL. you got to remember, they didn't have Tredavious White in this game. They're all pro corner. Kair Elam, their first-round cornerback, barely played for whatever reason. So once those guys mature and or get healthy, this team's going to be that much more dangerous. Because if all of a sudden they're giving opposing quarterbacks more time to hold the football, we saw last night that that front can absolutely attack the quarterback. I still can't get over the fact they beat the Los Angeles Rams in their building by 21 points with four turnovers. Well, was it their building? It didn't feel like it for a second. Yeah, no, I it mean, felt like a Bills Mafia game, honestly. I mean, you know, as much as they were talking pregame about, you know, you know, this is turning in from, into a Dodger town, Laker town, now also a Rams town, Bills Mafia took that place over, it felt like at times. I mean, they really did. But, you know, it is impressive, obviously, going to the West Coast, going on the road, in that environment, it was something that I was harping about all pregame was that the defending champions in this spot historically have done extremely well, 18-3 and three straight up since Super Bowl 34. This is more often than not a gimme for these teams. You know, the, the juices are pumping, the environment's crazy, you just dropped a banner, and that should lead you to a win, but the offensive line for me has issues. It was surprising to see how little the receiving game was outside of Cooper Cup. It felt like he had a 50% target share. And as good as Cooper Cup is, you need a little bit more. I mean, Allen Robinson is supposed to be the de facto Odell Beckham, Robert Woods of this offense. And what, he had one catch for 12 yards? I mean, that's yeah, just not good enough. in the game? <laughs> exactly. I mean. You know, I, you know, not speaking as a disgruntled fantasy owner or anything like that, but yeah, no, come on, one catch, twelve yards, come on, man. Well, our producer Tony and Stefan Diggs, I had Josh Allen, so uh, I'm go. in a pretty good mood tonight. <laughs> but uh, overall, I wanted to mention Allen Robinson a bit to you because I know in Philadelphia, and I I can say this with truth, the Eagles were after Allen Robinson, 
And, you know, it was, I don't know how deep the talks they were. Jordan Rodrigo, the athletics, said they, they actually were pretty deep. And then the Rams just kind of swayed him away. I'm kind of glad the Eagles avoided Al Robinson, traded the first round pick and got A.J. Brown. That's looking really good, at least for week one. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree with that, too, just because, obviously, A.J. Brown, a younger, more upside type of player, you know, for me, the whole storyline with Al Robinson was, well, he's been productive with subpar quarterbacks, and if all of a sudden you give him a Matthew Stafford, a Jalen Hurts, you know, that's going to be the best quarterback he's ever played with in the NFL. So, like, when you start to kind of go down that road and say, all right, like, what is the ceiling here? What could he be? But there is that other side of the coin where, all right, you know, again, I don't want to overreact too much to week one. And, you know, that, that can happen. But, you know, was it all, you know, the quarterbacks last year in Chicago? Or was something different? Is he, is he on a downturn? Is he kind of swinging down in his career as opposed to being an ascending player like we all think A.J. Brown is going to be going forward with the Philadelphia Eagles? So, I mean, that is... You know, un unfortunately for him, you know, because, again, it's just one game, but we're going to rip it to shreds. But that's going to be part of the narrative now. As much as we were talking about him upgrading a quarterback, well, okay, you didn't produce out of the gate. And it really didn't even feel like Matthew Stafford was looking to you all too much. And so, for me, that's going to be something that we look at here. Is it going to be him upgrading a quarterback, or is he kind of a descending player when we didn't think he was going to be? Were you concerned over Matthew Stafford's elbow, maybe if, if it was the lack of training camp reps he got or just he's not fully 100% yet? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something we're going to watch all year, right? This whole elbow baseball style injury. It's not common for a quarterback. I mean, it kind of feels like people who are following this injury a little bit more closely and, you know, are more familiar with it are almost a little perplexed because they keep saying, yeah, it's it's almost like he's playing baseball. Like it's not, you know, this isn't a quarterback. This isn't a, a, a shoulder injury where you see all the time, you know, rotator cuffs or, or something like that. I mean, this is kind of an elbow thing. It's just a little bit abnormal for a quarterback. And I know our editor, Kevin, talked about it last night before we logged off. You know, he didn't really throw down the field that much in this game. You know, so, yeah, it's going to be something that we follow throughout the year. For me, it was, I didn't think it was going to be too much of a factor in week one. I thought this was going to be more of a December, November, weather gets cold, the season, the reps, the you know, all of that stuff kind of piles up, and then it starts to wear and tear on you. But if all of a sudden they're managing him now and they're managing him in preseason and training camp and giving him limited workload and we're talking about load management for a quarterback, yeah, that's obviously concerning for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. They want to go back-to-back. -back. I was kind of laughing – over the game last night, I was kind of thinking, okay, what is Tom Brady thinking right now? Like, all of a sudden you went from the Rams are probably the best team in the NFC to, oh, hold on, it might be the Bucs. Yeah, I mean, I think that the conference is wide open. I mean, you know, as much as we talk about the AFC being absolutely loaded and, you know, the Bills at the top, but you still have, like, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, I mean, basically the entire AFC West, you have teams that are in the discussion there. But clearly, Buffalo showed last night that they're heads and shoulders. In the NFC, it's a little less murky. It's a little more murky, I mean. It's, you know, obviously the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be in there. The Bucks, the Packers, the Rams, I think, will still be in there. I'm not, you know, putting them in the grave just yet. But, yeah, it, you know, if you're Tom Brady for any one of these contending teams in the NFC, you you look at this and say, all right, the, the lane is clear for us to 
you know, not only take down the defending champions, but there is a path for us to realistically get the number one seed and make some noise in the postseason and come out of the conference. I happen to notice, too, when I was looking at all our picks, I think the Eagles swept the NFC East when we all made the picks this year. What do you like about this Eagles team? Yeah, not only did I uh, pick the Eagles to win that division, but if you read my bold predictions for the yeah, side, yeah, I saw it. I, 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 I want, that's what I was going to segue into here. I had them as the number one seed in the NFC, and it's for a multitude of reasons. One, I just highlighted, right? Like they are, I think you know they are in a conference that's much more wide open and up for the up for the taking than I think the AFC. And you look at their schedule. It's just, you know, an easy schedule for them to pile up wins. Not only do they have a, a good roster, I think an ascending quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who I think is going to be much better than Nick Sirianni under year two in that system. And obviously you get A.J. Brown in there, which is obviously going to help. But you look at their schedule, you look at their opponents, it's the second easiest schedule in the NFL when you look at projected win totals. I like looking at that a little bit more than last year's win total, you know, win win percentage, just because they're totally different teams. And when Vegas looks at these odds and makes these projected win totals, they're looking at the 2022 team, that year's team, and they're projecting whether they're going to be good or they're going to be bad. And so when you collect all of that up, I feel it's a little bit more of an accurate portrayal of what the road is going to be like for these respective teams. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, it's going to be really, really easy, you know, at least, you know, in, in that regard. So for me, that allows you to pile up wins. You're in a very winnable division. I so again, this. I just think that they're going to, you know, really, you know, pile up a lot of wins here as long as, as long as Jalen Hurts takes the steps that I think he will. Well, speaking of Jalen Hurts, I got to see him in camp multiple times this summer. I thought he looked good. And I'm not a training camp stats guy. I, I'm just not. I don't believe him that stuff with practice. I know the Patriots beat writers are big in that whole thing with Mac Jones, but just from what you've seen out of Jalen Hurts, what do you like about him and what don't you like about him? Yeah, no, I mean, extremely sharp as a, you know, at least what we saw in the preseason. Again, you know, like we say, preseason, take with a grain of salt. But what we saw was a much more polished passer. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's Justin Herbert, but it was much better than what we saw in the years past. And again, I think that there is something to be said for, and it's, and it's a tough comparison because again, I don't want to put him in the same breath as Josh Allen, but I do wonder if the addition of AJ Brown is going to have a similar effect to what Stefan Diggs had for Josh Allen when he arrived in Buffalo. It was a legit weapon, number one weapon that opposing defenses had to account for. The defense turns their attention over to that guy and not only can he throw the football to other places with easier windows, but then all of a sudden that ability to run with your legs now is another wrinkle in that offense. We saw last night that opposing defensive players, defensive backs, linebackers, as much as they're covering their guy, they also have one eye on Josh Allen as he's ready to run out of the pocket. I think that that could be the same thing with Jalen Hurts. Now, again, the thing that you, you worry about is – does he regress as a passer? We know that he's legit, legit as a runner and can really make plays with his feet, but can he translate from what we saw in the preseason and really the first half of last year, can he turn that into a full season as a passer? You've seen A.J. Brown up close, playing at times in the AFC. What does he bring to this Eagles team? 
a legit number one. I mean, you know, this is the best cast that Jalen Hurts has had in his career. I mean, not too long ago, I feel like we were talking about Travis Fulgham as the guy for, for Jalen Hurts. I wrote an article on how Travis Fulgham was the best wide receiver in the NFL, and I had stats to back it up. It's crazy. I mean, it really is. And, and so when all of a sudden now you have A.J. Brown, uh, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard at the tight end position, it is a much more sound offense. And again, it's in the addition of AJ Brown, I think slots those other guys into more realistic roles. I think Smith could be a number one. You know, I, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, but I think he is right now the T Higgins to AJ Brown's Jamar Chase. I think that that's probably what we're looking at. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, that is a quite the one two combo, one A, one B, if you want to look at it that way at the receiver position. But the addition of AJ Brown to me, just takes this offense to another level. Like I said, I think that this could have a Stefan Diggs type impact on Jalen Hurts in, in that whole offense overall, just because, again, it's one of those guys that can take on a number one cornerback and still win. We both know football's won in the trenches. We know the Eagles have a good offensive line, but the Dallas Cowboys do not. And to me, I still think they're going to be a playoff team, but that just really scares me with their chances to actually make a run at a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as we were, you know, talking about them, you know, at one point, you know, multiple points during the offseason, they were the favorites to come out of the division. It, it feels like it's been more recent that this Philadelphia kind of wave has come about. And, and partially that is due to the injuries going on with Dallas. Obviously, you know, the, the wide receiver position with Michael Gallup, it feels like he's trending in a positive direction. But, you know, we all know it, it's tough to come back from those injuries and outside of C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz, we don't really know what's going to be. And like you said, the left tackle spot, we've seen when Smith is not there, how much that that impacts this offense and how much Zeke Elliott is not effective, how much Dak Prescott is not able to impact the game. And so for me, that is a massive, massive loss. As much as you know, that defense could be good, with Micah Parsons and, and, and Diggs and all those guys, you, you have to wonder how they're going to be this high-flying offense if their left tackle spot's going to be an issue all year. Now, with Joe Judge, uh, I got to bring this up because <laughs> Joe Judge is, is in charge of your quarterback, Mac Jones. I, I, I don't like it. I think Mac Jones can be a really good player in this league, but I just hate what Bill Belichick has done for his guys. And I don't know what – he has planned here. Maybe they're not on payroll or something. Maybe he's trying to stash. I, I don't know. But what have been your thoughts on the whole Joe Judge experiment in New England? Yeah, it, it's a concerning development, to say the least, with the Patriots coaching staff. I mean, obviously, going from Josh McDaniels, one of the revered play callers in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball, to now a combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who – Neither one have called plays on offense. Neither one has significant experience on the offensive side of the ball. I know Matt Patricia obviously came into the NFL on the offensive side, but really made his bones as a defensive coordinator, Joe Judge, a special teams coordinator. And when you look at what the quarterbacks were doing at their spots when they were head coaches, it wasn't great. For me, when you look at Joe Judge in New York with Daniel Jones, and you've seen him up close and personal in the NFC East, he regressed as a prospect. He was, you know, showed some flashes his rookie year, but everything since has been poor. And even the ownership has said at the time, we've done everything possible to screw this kid up, speaking of Daniel Jones. So when you have a guy now like Mac Jones, you get nervous for the kid. All right, what's this going to look like? And so for me, again, it's not 
unconventional for Bill Belichick to not have a offensive coordinator in title. That's something that's gone on up here in New England for a while now. You know, right? I mean, they don't really have a defensive coordinator in title. It's Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo handling the defense. You feel a little bit more confident in that, though, because those guys have had the polishing, the pedigree, once played in the league and, and, and been a legitimate NFL player. The other one has been around the system basically his entire life because of his father. But on the offensive side, there isn't that resume to back up no title. Like if Nick Cayley, who was the tight ends coach for the Patriots last year under Josh McDaniels, if he ascended, I think people would feel a little bit more comfortable and say, okay, you know, Josh McDaniels, it felt like a matter of time before he left. There's a guy waiting in the wings on the offensive side of the ball. He's been working with the offense. He knows Mac Jones. He knows the team. And all of a sudden that goes by the wayside and you're bringing in a guy that was a defensive coordinator. And so for me, that's what's concerning. It's not that they don't have an offensive coordinator in title. I, you know, I've grown to not care about that too, too much. It's there's no clear experience. And when Mac Jones is looking to the sideline, he's not looking at a guy who's been there before or knows the offense as well as they should, which is concerning. Does it feel like Bill's lost a zip on his fastball as a head coach? I, I don't know if it's losing a zip on his fastball. Again, we'll have to see you know, how that goes. But I do think at this stage in his career, he wants to coach and coach alongside the people he wants to coach alongside. Like Matt Patricia is a good friend of his. He has you know connections, obviously, to Joe Judge. I don't know if he wanted to bring in a new up-and-comer, Sean McVay kind of clone to run the offense. I don't I don't know if that's what he wants to do right now. I, you know, you see it. He's got his kids on the staff. He's got former players, former coaches. It's not like he's bringing in new blood. I mean, and if he is bringing in new blood, it's it's guys he knows or, or their sons of guys he knows. So I think that that's what we're looking at here. I don't know if it's him losing his fastball or if it's just him saying, you know what, I'm going to run the show anyways. I'm going to make the call anyways. So why don't I just bring in guys that I'm comfortable with, you know, ordering around for lack of a better word in that regard, instead of somebody who is you know, a little bit more green, not familiar with how I operate. And I kind of have to work him in. What are your thoughts on Brian Dable? Cause to me, a lot of people seem to forget he did win five Super Bowls with the Patriots. He is a Belichick disciple in every sense of the word, even though he kind of branched out over the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know he's another one too with a Nick Saban connection as well. So I mean, you, you get the, the you get the Brian Dayballs, and then you get the Joe Judges, and and and, and, and so I, I don't know football like Joe Judge. You know, I don't I don't know what necessarily that means, but for some it means more than others, I guess. No, I think he's a great, you know, a, a very I wouldn't say great obviously just yet, but he's a great offensive mind. I wouldn't say he's a great head coach right now. We don't know that he's never done that yet. So time will tell in terms of how he'll do with the New York Giants. But I like the hire. I thought that that was exactly the kind of guy that they should bring in for Daniel Jones because we saw, you know, as much as we, you know, praised Josh Allen last night and he's the betting favorite to win MVP, his odds only improved to win MVP after what we saw last night. A couple of years there where he was, you know, questioned as to whether or not he is a legitimate franchise kind of quarterback. Oh, okay, against the Texans. In under day ball, they were able to cultivate and, and really bring him along to blossom into the guy that we saw last night, who was just a, you know, a, a menace on every, you know, snap it felt like, whether it was, you know, passing the football or when everything's covered, he can like space jam it and run for a touchdown and extend his arm. So 
You know, that's the type of thing that I know Brian Dable is not there anymore, but that's the foundation he helps set for Josh Allen. And that's the hope that he can do with Daniel Jones, because as much as we kind of, you know, dump all over Daniel Jones and the Giants, he does have that skill set. Now, I don't know if he has that ceiling of Josh Allen, but he does have that ability to run the football, does have a nice arm. It's can he put all of that together to be a more complete quarterback and a more consistent quarterback? And with Dayball, I think that he'll have his best opportunity, his best shot to hit his ceiling, whatever that is. It feels like though Daniel Jones is auditioning for another team. He, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback in the New York Giants after this year, no matter how he plays. Yeah, I mean, unless he's you know insane, but like that's you know obviously that's not what we're talking about. You know, if he's if he turns into this you know Josh Allen 2.0, and all it needed was some Dayball fairy dust to do it, well then you know they're going to be fine. But yeah, there is that you know question of all right, if this isn't a good football team, they'll be in the market at the draft. They'll be in they'll they'll be looking at guys. Whether or not it's and not even at the NFL draft, we saw this this offseason quarterback movement is not out of the realm of possibility. And so if all of a sudden everything else around the quarterback position in New York seems like it's on the come up and he's the one thing that's bringing them down, well, then they'll absolutely look for for a new quarterback. And so, you know, that's another one, too. You know, who knows what who becomes available? Like, you know, as, as weird as it may sound, like if Justin Fields becomes available because the Chicago new brass in front office and the new coaching staff wants to move on for whatever reason, that's an intriguing option all day, every day. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like, you know, we've seen weirder things in the NFL. We've seen teams move on from first round picks, especially when there's a regime change in the midst of all that. So again, that's one that you look at, obviously it's already in the NFL. You know, Tom Brady's going to be a free agent. If he wants to play till 50, all right, go ahead, go to New York. We'll see what happens there. We'll be calling them. Yeah, you know, something along those lines. Jimmy Garoppolo is another one that could be available. So, you know, obviously there's more options than just the NFL draft. But, yeah, no, if things don't go well with Daniel Jones, it's very easy for a first-year head coach to say, all right, I didn't draft this kid. It's not my problem. I tried. It didn't work. And let's go in a different direction. You know, I'm kind of glad you brought Jimmy Garoppolo here because I like Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance has a very high ceiling, as you well know. But I don't like how Jimmy Garoppolo is basically waiting over his shoulder. The second Trey Lance plays bad, Jimmy Garoppolo is there ready and waiting, and we know what he can do with that team. It, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like the 49ers are creating a healthy environment for that young player. Couldn't agree with you more. It's you know That, I think, was the worst outcome for Trey Lance. If you're a Trey Lance guy, which the 49ers have to be, they traded up. They, you know, did all of these things for Trey Lance. You have to set him up for success. It's very similar to what we were just talking about with, with, with Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. These organizations, the Eagles and the Bills, did everything and are doing everything they can to maximize the potential of their quarterback. They invested heavily in them. They are trying to get the absolute most out of them. And by keeping Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, yes, you negotiated a, you know, a reworked contract. It's not as big of a cap hit, blah, blah, blah. You're not helping your quarterback. I mean, there's reports already that he was miffed that they were, that they were keeping him. Trey Lance was. So, I mean, like already out of the gate, you're not endearing yourself to your starting quarterback. And so you have to wonder what that's going to do when it's a third and 10 and he sails one over Debo Samuel's head and they're punting for the fifth time in a row. 
and everybody's looking at the sideline. They go, well, this guy did bring us to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship. And could have won Why- both. <laughs> and could have won both. Why aren't we playing him again? And as fair of a point that may be, that's not going to help the quarterback that you drafted number three overall and traded all of these draft picks for. I feel like Washington has more faith in Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, T- Tyler Sullivan, Jeff Kerr than <laughs> the 49ers do in Trey Lance. It's, I, I keep hearing the same stuff with Wentz. Oh, you know, he's the quarterback we needed and he's a significant upgrade. But they said that last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick. It, it just seems like it's all coach beat, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, I think we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it in our, in our Slack chat. It just feels like Washington overplayed their hand this offseason. Like, why did they have to be first in this quarterback bonanza? And why would, if they're first, why did that quarterback have to be Carson Wentz? Because if they played their cards right and just kind of hung back and kind of read the tea leaves a little bit better, you would have seen that. Not not necessarily they're going to go after like, you know, Aaron Rodgers if he became available or like Russell Wilson or anything like that. But you could have absolutely gotten Matt Ryan. And I think that that's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. I know it's not a the better, I guess, maybe long-term option because Matt Ryan's older. But in the immediate, I think that that's absolutely a better option than Carson Wentz right now. What did you see in Indianapolis last year with Frank Reich as the head coach? It's not like, you know, it's he's, he's working with somebody he's not familiar with. What, what did you see last year that said, you know what? If we bring him to Washington, we bring him to FedEx Field, We'll fix him. He'll be fine. All he needs is a little Ron Rivera and Antonio Gibson in his life, and he's totally fine. I, I don't know if I don't I don't see how you can look at that game in Jacksonville last year and say, you know what, this is the guy. You know, I feel comfortable handing the keys over to the franchise too. I would have much rather have seen them be aggressive, more aggressive at the NFL draft. I'd rather see them be more aggressive at other quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, why weren't they in the Jimmy Garoppolo discussion? I feel like Garoppolo is a better option. Than, than Carson Wentz. And this isn't to dump on Carson Wentz. It's just to say there for Washington, there were other options available, and it felt like you kind of jumped the gun a little bit too early in this quarterback carousel that we saw this offseason. They could have got a guy like Kenny Pickett, too. I, by the way, I, I love that move for the Steelers. I thought that was the, the perfect pick for them. I kind of want Pickett starting over Trubisky. I, I, I get it. Like, he's had a good preseason. But overall, what are your thoughts on – these teams that in the AFC, like a Pittsburgh, for example, you know they're good teams, but you're just not sure because of that conference. Yeah, not even really, you know, not that sure because the conference, because obviously the conference is stacked. I mean, you know, it's we're talking about like four teams in the AFC West that could probably make the playoffs. It's it's ridiculous. And then there are other teams too, like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens. Like that division is stacked. And we're not even talking about a Browns team that at some point they're going to get to shot Watson and for whatever you want to say about Deshaun Watson, and I would agree with you in terms of the stuff you would say about him off the field, as a quarterback, strictly speaking as a quarterback, he is as talented as they come. So they're going to make that team that much more dangerous. And if they can somehow stay afloat record-wise with Jacoby Brissett, they're going to be part of the conversation. And so that's what you look at with teams like, I would say, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, like those two teams, if they can get their quarterback situations right, they have the roster around that position to really make some noise. Like Pittsburgh, they have a great defense. I mean, TJ Watt is that dude that can legitimately wreck a game like we saw Vaughn Miller do last night, Aaron Donald do, 
every now and again, you know, more often than not. And then all of a sudden, the skill position players like George Pickens, for some reason, the Pittsburgh Steelers, better than any team that I've ever seen, can pluck these, these wide receivers and make them superstars overnight. You have George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. The skill positions are there. If all of a sudden, Trubisky and or Kenny Pickett can just be whatever best version of themselves they can be, I think that's going to be an improvement of the quarterback that they saw last year in the corpse that was Ben Roethlisberger. And that will make them a sneaky competitive team in the AFC. Last but not least, does Lamar Jackson sign today on his self-imposed deadline? I do not think so. I do not think he signs. I think he is looking at a path that Kirk Cousins went down not too long ago in Washington where it's fifth-year option, franchise tag, eventually hitting free agency, not this offseason, maybe even next offseason. It just kind of feels like this is that situation. And for Lamar Jackson, if he's comfortable with that, well, then he's going to make a lot of money. I mean, you look at what he's making this year. I think it's around like $25 million, $23 million. Yeah, I think it's 23.1, exactly. Fully guaranteed. And then you look at next year. I mean, he if he gets tagged, I mean, we're talking about a tag that's probably what? $40, 40 million. $40 million fully guaranteed. So you're talking about almost making $65 million fully guaranteed in two years. And so, again, I, I think that that's what you're looking at. Unless the Baltimore Ravens come out of nowhere, and I don't expect them to do this, but if they're like, okay, here is your Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, fully guaranteed contract that averages $50 million per then he'll sign that deal. He signed it yesterday. But I don't know if the Ravens are in a position to do that, and I don't know if they want to do that as a franchise. It, it's weird too, right, Tyler? Because I feel like he hasn't been in a rush to get this done. It's like, oh, if it gets done, awesome. But if not, this is where I want to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, I think that's part of the, the story of not having an agent. I mean, that's, that is a component here. He is, he does not, he is, not, he is representing himself in these negotiations, nothing new for him in his career. He's never had an agent. I mean, him and his mom have kind of been dealing with all this stuff basically since the draft. I mean, you can remember them them two on draft night sitting together on that table waiting for him to get picked 31st overall or 32nd overall, whatever it was. They trade with the Eagles again. And so, you know, this is not uncommon for him, but it's uncommon for, you know, a lot of, a lot of players in the NFL because, you know, you do run the risk, and we saw this, this offseason too with Roquan Smith in Chicago. You know, when you represent yourself, you do open the door to get hard feelings. And, you know, you, you get, you know, the, the, you know, one, the team is negotiating one way, you're negotiating another, you're negotiating on your behalf and, and you're taking it a little bit more personal. And so it's not an agent who's done it a million times and knows the dance and knows the speak and knows how to kind of do this thing and negotiate these, you know, at this point, it's almost a, a quarter billion dollar contract. I mean, we're, you know, this is, you know, no, no small, small little exchange here. So, you know, I do wonder if that's kind of what the snag is where, you know, he's comfortable. He's like, you know what, I'll be fine. I know myself where if an agent would be whispering in his ear being like, listen, you know, as great as you are and as, and if you continue to play well, you're only going to improve your value, but you do have to understand you are a mobile quarterback. You make your bread and butter, and you're an MVP for what you do with your legs just as much as what you do with your arm. And that type of play, that style of play, opens you up for more injuries. It's just, just the way it is. And you're not built 
like a Josh Allen, who was just this stocky guy. I mean, he was taking so many hits last night. I was getting nervous towards the tail end of the game. Lamar Jackson is not that kind of Cam Newton, Josh Allen, physical kind of runner. He's, He's a little bit more, you know, you know, lean. He's a little bit more skinnier, which, again, opens you up for more injuries. And so if you're an agent, you'd be whispering in, in, into his ear and say, hey, listen, I know it might not exactly be the fully guaranteed contract that you want, but this is generational money that you can get right now. And you'd still be setting the market probably in terms of AAV. And you don't run the risk of getting hurt the second you step on the field in, in week one. Tyler, once again, I appreciate you coming along. I had a bunch of CBS guys on this week. Going to have to get you on again. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And hopefully next time we're talking, it's going to be about maybe the Giants are 0-2, 0-3, and the Eagles are 3. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks for coming on, Tyler. I like it. No problem, Jeff. <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to put a bonus show right after this. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. The faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
man, I don't know how I'm keeping my eyes open right now. I, I love my job. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I'm, I'm going straight to bed right after the show, but and I'm so excited football's back. And you can tell my guest, Tower Sullivan, he is too. We're, we're all ready for week one. It, it, it's that time of year. You know, it's you're optimistic about your team. And Eagles fans have every right to be optimistic about this football team. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. They're good. They're a good team. They're going to be a good team this year. Wins, I'm thinking 11, possibly 12. It, he's right. It's an easy schedule. It really is. The Eagles should win. They should win Sunday. They should beat the Vikings week two. They should beat the Commanders week three. They should be three and up going into that Jacksonville. And you can even say they should be four now after that. I mean, really, it's talent-wise, I think they're that much better than the first four teams they're facing. The Cardinals game week five is going to be tough because it is in Arizona and they don't play well. But the first month of the season, they're clearly more talented. They're more talented than the Vikings. I'll say it right now. And I, I like this Vikings team. I like Kevin O'Connell as a coach. But the Eagles just have – they're deep. They're deep across the board. That's why people are picking them to win the NFC East and not Dallas. Because Dallas isn't deep. They're thin on the offensive line. They're thin at quarterback. And they have Dak Prescott. They're the best quarterback in the division. They're thin at wide receiver. Linebackers, a question mark. They should be good there because Leighton Van Der Esch has had a good training camp preseason and he's healthy. But they're deep on the defensive side of the ball. Offensive side of the ball, no. No. And Mike McCarthy's their head coach. So that's why everybody's favoring toward the Eagles. Um, Washington, they're thin at linebacker. They're thin at quarterback and they're thin at safety. It ain't good. And they might be thin on the defensive line, too, which is absolutely nuts, considering you have Casey Tuhill, Martez, uh, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. You got studs on that defensive line, but I don't know you guys backing those guys up. When Chase Young gets back, that'll definitely help. But the NFC's wide open. Tyler's right. It's wide open. It is. Um, My Super Bowl pick is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I just don't bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I don't. I think they're going to be battle-tested this year. I love the Chargers. I think Chargers are going to be really, really good. But I cannot bet against the, those two. And that defense is getting much better. Nick Bolton is a playmaker, their linebacker. I'm a little concerned about the Chiefs secondary, which I think might give the Bills the edge over them. And if that game's in Buffalo, I'm probably going to be switching my tune in the playoffs. But it's hard for me to bet against Andy Reid. It is. Um, I've learned 23 years. Don't do it. Do not do it. Andy Reid was a damn good coach in Philadelphia. He's a damn good coach in Kansas City. He is the first coach to ever coach 10 seasons with two different franchises. But you got idiots like Bark Scott. He was fired for a reason. Yes, so was Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's got six Super Bowls. Good head coaches do get fired. Happens. Barry Schoenheimer was a really good head coach. Got fired multiple times. I just don't bet against Andy and Patrick Mahomes. And I think Buffalo's going to be They're good. They're really, really good. And the NFC, I have no idea. I, I kind of want to lean the Rams, but again, week one, they got some issues that they need to correct. It's a long season. The Rams didn't look good early in the year last year either and won the Super Bowl. So, 
I don't, don't count out Sean McVay. Um, but the Eagles are going to be right in there. They are. Uh, they're going to represent this division well. I think this division is actually going to be a lot better than people think. I still think Dallas is a playoff team. I think the Commanders have a great shot at making the playoffs if that quarterback can stop being him and just kind of run the game because they do have Terry McLaurin. They do have Jahan Dotson, who's going to be really good. They do have Antonio Gibson, who I think is very underrated running back, and everybody likes to talk about his fumbles. But I think the FCs can get three teams in the playoffs in a wide-open NFC. I do. Um, I think the Saints are going to be in there in the South in terms of making the playoffs. I think the Vikings are going to be in a playoff race. I think the Cardinals are going to be in that too. But again, nine wins might get you in. I got the Eagles at 11, potentially 12. So, Tyler Sullivan said he thinks they're going to be number one seed in the NFC. Does that mean they're going to go to the Super Bowl? I don't know. But I trust Sully with a lot of stuff. I'm not a hot take guy. He's not either. He just calls it like he sees it. So, it's going to be interesting on Monday. We're going to be talking Eagles-Lions. We're going to be talking recaps of all the games. I'll be first on the field Monday. You got Jody Mack, John McMullen coming up next with Birds365. Guys, do me a favor. Hit the like button. Feel free to chat in the comment section. Have a good day, guys. Have a great week one of the NFL season. We'll see you Monday.